Hello everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. Fresh, clean water supplies are becoming unsustainable, unsecure and unsafe. Availability of clean, fresh water is crucial to every nation's economic, environmental and social systems. It is also fundamental for human life, its survival and security. Since the amount of fresh water is finite, and makes up approximately 2.5% of all water on the earth, ensuring its availability, safety, security, and sustainability has become fundamental. To put the current and future threats to this perspective, I welcome Professor Asok Vashista to present his views on water safety, security, and sustainability to this roundup. Professor Dr. Ashok Vashista is Executive Director for Research with the International Clean Water Institute in Virginia, USA. He's also the editor of the book on water safety, security, and sustainability. Welcome, Professor Vashista. We are honored to have you on this roundup. Thank you, Dr. Pandya, for a wonderful introduction. And I completely agree with you in terms of what you stated, in terms of water safety, security, and sustainability. And this is what I want to take us through a brief presentation, at least to make a case, uh, although the time is limited to uh, discuss this vast topic, but I still want to take us through the highlights as to why this is important. So with that, if you would allow me briefly a second to share the presentation so that yes. I can share those contents with you and then we'll start our discussion. Yes, please. You know, uh, we look forward to our to your thoughts on this crucial topic. Please share. OK. So I believe you can see the screen. Yes. Uh, OK. Um, all right, so as you mentioned the topic of the presentation is water safety, security, and sustainability. The contents which you mentioned uh, are listed on the uh, book onto the left, which is about to come out in approximately a month. There is another book which I had published last year on the emerging developments and environmental impact of ecological chemistry. And a part of the contents are from that book as well, but you as you see, both of them talk about this important topic. So, uh, excuse me. All right, so let's talk about water uh, very briefly. Water is a, on its face value looks like a very simple molecule of hydrogen and oxygen. It's tasteless, odorless, and colorless. However, it's by far the most exotic molecule designed by the nature. Um, and and uh, to a point that most of the scientists cannot even agree as to what is water. So there are different definitions. There are different um, uh, uh, connotations for water uh, to a scientist, to a physicist, to a chemist, all of them, it means a totally different thing. But here are some of the important things which I want to highlight in this uh, presentation, that life without water is impossible. And in some cultures, like my mother, she used to worship water, and I'm sure in all holy books, people have seen that scripts mention about water and its connection with life. But Physically speaking, water has many fascinating and anomalous characteristics. The density anomaly, for example, as mentioned in brief time, I could only point out few. The sea life beneath us is actually exists because of the density anomaly. The surface tension helps conform into a water droplet and also helps it transport through our biomembranes. That means it transport through our system. It has interesting boiling and freezing point characteristics, viscosity, density, refractive index, surface tension, and so forth. Uh, it has chemical rate, reaction rate constants, and biological processes which help living matter. 
And because of its strong solvent characteristics, it dissolves all the chemicals. And that's the reason it helps filtration process through the body and of course help decontaminate. So as I mentioned, although in very simple form, it's a hydrogen oxygen molecule, but it has fascinating characteristics and helps uh, life on our planet. So this is a slide which I had uh, presented, uh, developed actually way back in mid-1980s. Uh, and of course, I presented in conferences around that time. And the idea at that point was to look at the sources of energy and their environmental footprint. Uh, and I had solicited uh, from folks as to what they think at that point were the top global concerns. As you see on the left, energy, water, environment, disease, so on and so forth. So water was listed, and of course, it still is one of the grand challenge of our, uh, of our time. Um, <clears throat> and for that reason, since then, I had participated in many activities where we had looked into global, vertical, and horizontal priorities. What are the challenges and opportunities and what we can do to mitigate that? And I'm going to very briefly discuss about the microplastics later in the conversation as well. So in 1990s, the Millennium Development Goals were introduced, and now they are called uh, Sustainable Development Goals. And number six, SDG six, talks about the clean water and sanitation. And there are fascinating aspects of it, which requires us to treat water as a fundamental human right. And by 2020, it requires that we should have sanitation facility, and of course by 2050, people should have access to clean water and of course all the sanitation facilities and much more by that time. So we will see a lot more progress on SDG 6 going forward. So here's the situational awareness as we know right now, and I'm going to expand on only a few points that although it's more abundant, as you mentioned, that only 2.5% is available, and I'm going to come back to that point just in a little bit. Its sustainability is at risk, and this is something which we need to discuss by way of management. Water is a gateway to future, and some of the aspects being balancing economic prosperity, environmental protection, social responsibility, and maintaining high quality of life. And for that reason, we need to discuss more on safety, security, sustainability, which are the major concerns. So here's the outline. Rather than going through all of these points, which briefly I will touch upon in the presentation, I made a cloud map. And as you could see, water, of course, jumps out the most. Uh, safety, security, sustainability, risk, stress, resilience, SDG, all of that will be briefly discussed in the context of this presentation. So, as you had mentioned, that fresh water is only 2.5% of the total water which is available to us. Ocean has close to about 97%. But even out of this fresh 2.5% water, the polar ice is close to about 69%. Groundwater is about 30%. The remaining almost close to about 1% is distributed in this form. Uh, lakes, 0.26, river, 0.006%. That's where most of the water comes from. And this is something which I'm focusing on these days, atmospheric water, which is 0.037%, much more than what we have in the river. So I'm trying to draw water from atmosphere to make water for us, and that's my next uh, venture. And of course, it shows the, the basics, how we use water for agriculture, domestic use, industry, and how the water uh, obviously exists on our earth and how it returns back to the clouds uh, through the process of your evaporation and transpiration. Moving forward, <clears throat> despite the fact that we have, uh, as mentioned, uh, on the face of the earth, 
the about a little over three fourths of the earth is covered with water. There is a water scarcity. And, and this is one of the major concern because I think that close to about two billion people worldwide, they lack uh, clean drinking water. Uh, approximately one in four, there are other estimates, one in six, one in eight, but I still think this is about one in four. And there are socioeconomic aspects and few of them which I would like to mention. And of course, there today these days, we talk about more about gender equity. So here's an interesting point that without toilets, girls typically drop out of high school uh, if there are not toilet facilities. And this is global. Also, I lived in Caribbean, I lived in Europe, I lived in Asia, and I know 64% of the household rely on women to get families water. As I mentioned, I lived in Caribbean, I used to see females coming from top of the home to get water in the bucket and climb all the way up. So obviously it impacts females more than the men. 76% live in water stressed area. Uh, we are losing irrigation, irrigated land, 30% uh, by 2025, 50% by 2050. Here's the interesting aspect that two thirds of the population live in areas where 80% of the rainfall occurs 25% time of the 20% or approximately 20% uh, of the year. That means either it's too much water or too little water. So that means we need to do water management uh, more carefully. So these are some of the slides I wanted to show for water scarcity. The other point which I want to introduce is something called water stress, which is water contamination. Depending upon which model you see, uh, the red in the top shows water, severe water stress, uh, yellow shows medium water stress. I think this probably is an earlier model because the bottom slide actually shows more accurate current water stress showing uh, most of the United States, especially the East Coast, Europe, a part of Asia uh, with a huge water stress. And on the right, it shows water scarcity and stress, and both of them continue to increase as a function of time. So I'm going to show you a few slides. Um, I have thousands and thousands of them, and these are obviously not pleasant uh, to show some of the water stress, but I'll show you some which I have worked myself. Uh, this is an area uh, close to the border of uh, Azerbaijan, uh, Armenia, and Iran called Kapun. And it's a beautiful area to see lots of nice monasteries, but because from the Russian time, they have uh, mining facilities which are still open, you could see contaminated water, which not only is used for agriculture, but also for drinking purposes. And of course, there are lots of health impact. So this is something which I have been personally involved uh, since mid 90s. Um, also, I worked close to Charleston, a nice beautiful area. People also have driven through uh, Charleston, West Virginia, but in Kanawha River, you will see lots of industries uh, discharging raw sewage, which you could see very clearly. And at that point, we were trying to relate this with the autism uh, spectrum uh, and, and to see how it impacts uh, health. This is something which I have been involved since 1985. This is an aerial view of Aral Lake at the border of Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. As you see in 1985, it was nice, wonderful lake. This was 1992 and this is year 2000. And the reason being that Russians used to have lots of chemical biological plants and they kept dumping into that lake. And of course that became severely stressed. And now although it's returned back somewhat to normal, but you could see the, uh, the, the transformation over a period of time. And of course there are lots of people with adverse health impact, which are around that area. So although these are, uh, you know, some of them are man-made, some of them are natural, but water does produce 
uh, contaminants in water do produce waterborne disease to a point that one out of every five deaths under the age of five worldwide is due to water-related disease. In developing countries, 80% of illness are linked to poor water. And of course, there are lots of uh, other impacts such as 443 million school days are lost each year. Uh, number of beds which are occupied because of the water-related disease. Uh, and uh, there is a statistics which says one child every eight seconds loses life uh, because of unclean water. So it has lots of impact and that's the reason it gives us a lot more motivation to look into uh, how we can mitigate contaminants, how we can manage water so that there is a future sustainability for all of us. And of course, we see different forms of uh, portable and drinking water and there are lots of regulations by Environmental Protection Agency and there are different um, uh, you know, tools to find contaminants, but we are trying to enhance that, and I'm going to show you uh, in a little bit. And the contaminants are large. I did not want to put them in the presentation, but one of the book chapter talks about all the contaminants, but I will show some of the emerging contaminants which are of major concerns these days. There is a term called Water Quality Index, WQI, which refers to the chemical, physical, and biological characteristics of water. But the important thing to note is that it varies from country to country, and that's not right. All of us need to have same good quality of water. For that reason, I have introduced and in one of the chapter, I had introduced something called Universal Water Quality Index. This is recently defined and introduced, and that shows that all of us need a good quality of water, and I have shown how we could uh, produce water which meets and exceeds the current EPA limit of the, um, uh, the, the maximum level the water can have in terms of contaminants for uh, human consumption. And of course, the same model can be true for industry. Uh, it can be true also for agriculture and so forth, but at least that's the starting point. Moving forward, as I mentioned, microplastics, that is one of the major concern, and I'm sure we are looking into some regulation uh, which will limit use of single-use water plastic bottles going forward. But this is one of the major concerns. And of course, just but last week, uh, one of my publications came out on microplastics uh, and how it discharges different types of cocktail of contaminants, because most plastics contain some additive. So once they are in water, they begin to release these additives and they produce different types of uh, uh, toxic effect in water. And also it has few chemicals which produce, which have very similar impact that of estrogen. And I'll show you just a little bit in next slide as to what that does. And this is one of the models which I had introduced. Although plastic in water is hydrophobic, that means it will rise up to the top, but nonetheless, it accumulates bacteria. And this has safety, security aspect, uh, meaning thereby that one can introduce intentional bacteria and actually contaminate the entire river. So this is something which we are looking into as to how this could be mitigated uh, that means how to reduce this bacteria growth on the plastic or microplastics or nanoplastics, which is formed at the top of the surface. So here is a reference at the bottom of the slide, but nonetheless, this is an interesting model which we had produced. So our consumption of microplastic is by way of salt, by way of uh, sea uh, food and also by way of tap water because once the water goes into the uh, water uh, if it's of a certain size then it's not isolated so it, it returns back uh, that means we are consuming more and more 
uh, microplastics. Uh, toothpaste, uh, most of the um, cosmetics, they contain plastic. So obviously there is a lot of microplastic which is in water. And here's the interesting thing, that for nanomaterial, uh, although there are several models which talk about the pollution-based risk models and how nanomaterial uh, cause oxidative stress and suppress the defense mechanism, but for microplastics, there's none. So I'm using, at least for the timing, as a base, what we used for nanomaterial, a model, to describe what micro and nanoplastic would do for us. So this is again a slide which I had used for nanomaterial, but we are using same model uh, to describe hierarchy for the oxidative stress uh, on human body by way of micro and nanoplastic. As I mentioned, plastic has the characteristics that it produces estrogen, and this is a, uh, from Las Vegas Sun, most of the rivers, uh, there was an article which indicates that the fish with a, uh, both gender uh, exist in very large quantity and that's increasing. And obviously this is something of concern, but nonetheless, this is a clear indication of the fact that plastic produces estrogen and that uh, is detrimental to uh, development. So we have introduced a term called drugs on tap because of the fact not only microplastic, we have lots of pharmaceutical uh, which are returned back into the water tap and they are not filtered because we still have old filtration mechanism which do not treat all these pharmaceutical. So kids as little as one to three years old uh, for their ear infection, uh, the antibiotics would not work because they already have so much of antibiotics into their system. So because of the fact they are in the same category, so I tried to merge both into the same slide. Although this is a busy slide, but I simply wanted to show the, uh, sorry, emerging contaminants. Uh, such as uh, metal, microorganism, pharmaceutical, uh, COVID-19 uh, virus, which also exists in water, micro nanoplastics, petroleum products, nanomaterials, uh, all of them exist in water. And on the left, I had taken a survey just some time ago of people asking how many of us, how many of us are concerned about clean water and uh, there were several uh, parameters and clean water 100 out of 100 mentioned that they were worried about the clean water. Misinformation 85, democracy 85, terrorism 85, but as mentioned it was interesting that 100% of people mentioned clean water was their one of the major concerns. That was interesting to see. So um, most of the countries, I'm sure all of us know, are uh, share international basins, which also creates, creates a tension among uh, countries. And in the following slide, I have shown some examples, uh, like Jordan, which is at the border of Syria, Israel and Jordan, uh, Nile River, Indus, Tigris. They all uh, are uh, in tension to each other. So of course we have to do better water management uh, to make sure that these types of basins are not, uh, you know, they, they do not create conflict. And this slide actually uh, I had taken from Russian Times, uh, Moscow News, for example, where uh, it, they demonstrated that the uh, aquifer uh, in Tripoli or close to Tripoli was contaminated during the civil war. And that's essentially what stopped the war at that point and uh, dying for water. So as mentioned, although it may not be surface water, even the underground water is subjected to terrorism uh, and can create a problem. So NATO, knowing that water sources are open to contamination, they had 
funded an activity for us, which I'll show in the end of the next slide. So they wanted us to look into water security, uh, safety, uh, develop a rapid risk assessment tool, and see what we can do to, to monitor in real time and see if we can uh, help safety and security of the water. Sustainability being a political organization, uh, they wanted to they wanted us to focus on safety and security aspect. So the mission of the International Clean Water Institute now it's a 501c3 or going to be shortly, but at that point this is the project which they funded for us for half a million euros to look for the uh, to assess, identify, and recommend different scientific breakthroughs in multidisciplinary environment. Uh, using international partnership. So we had five partners at that point, and our objective was to see if we could mitigate uh, intentional and unintentional CBRN, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear contaminants in water, create a prototype to supply clean water, and also create a smart and connected system prototype to specially monitor contaminants uh, and also water levels. So we created a unit, which I'll show you just in a little bit. Uh, and one of the model which we had used was called advanced sciences convergence, meaning thereby looking at different disciplines and seeing what they produce new at the intersection of each other, what synergy they can coalesce together to produce a unified a system to solve these types of problem. So we had used advanced sciences convergence for it, and based on that, we created different types of uh, data decision support tools, which I'll also show you in the following slide. And these are some of the characteristics of the decision support tools. Uh, essentially, it's a data-driven decision which we wanted to provide to the government and also to NATO. So these are three tools which we had developed called TechForm, Adams, and Nests. And essentially, they look at intersection of different fields and what new is produced. Uh, so these are all part of data analytics, big data, uh, all to produce decisions for tools to make recommendations to the government. So again, the vision was that these tools will provide economic opportunity, prosperity, growth, safety and security, health and wellness, and improve overall quality of life. So I'm going to briefly deviate for a second and talk about something, uh, although this is connected, and this is a course which I'm teaching uh, called Cyber Physical Systems. And essentially, this is a multidisciplinary engineering discipline, which is focused on technology and it integrates physical systems with cyber. And pictorially, this is what it means, that we, as long as we have application space, it can be infrastructure, water, manufacturing, military, physical security, and so forth. If we have a feedback space and we connect that to the application space through cyber, and if we can add a scalability component to it, we have a cyber physical system. And if you see what I presented in the this slide, which is a smart and connected system, uh, that is a, a GPS-based contamination identification level monitoring system, it's essentially a manifestation of cyber physical system. So, Using this, we can create different types of system which will provide us in real time uh, not only contamination, but also contamination levels, but also cybersecurity. So knowing its importance, I've started to teach this course, develop and teach uh, because of vast application uh, this course would offer. And here's one example which uh, we had used uh, slightly just in recent past, making a uh, UAV-based sensor platform, uh, which has uh, LIDAR, which has hyperspectral imaging, which has biometrics. All of these being so lightweight, we can integrate that 
Ethiopia-based platform, and we can very rapidly monitor different types of activities. May it be contaminant? May it be uh, simply monitoring? Uh, so this unified platform has tremendous amount of application which are listed in here, uh, going from uh, chemical emergencies to drought, to earthquake, flood, hazmat incident, and so forth. And uh, this simply shows a ground-based uh, platform which continues to monitor all this information and obviously coordinate if there's Air Force, uh, not Air Force, there's a, uh, if, if there is a uh, uh, airport, not Air Force, airport in close proximity, so that obviously this UAV does not come into the air traffic uh, space. Uh, and then of course we can continue to monitor all of that. So this is a uh, capacity development unit, but nonetheless have lots of capabilities. And this is a example of a cyber physical system, which I had just described in the previous slide. And part of that we had deployed for water, for rapid risk assessment and verification research, uh, where we could do online monitoring, uh, look at SCADA systems. Uh, and of course, if we had that before, uh, although Colonial Pipeline was more of a cyber attack, but nonetheless, uh, any activity in and around these facilities, one can monitor with UAV, but an extension of that would also thwart the uh, cybersecurity aspect. We are looking at different water treatment, decontamination filtration, water management, and so forth. So a prototype of PC-based rapid risk assessment tool using decision support tools, we had conducted tabletop and field exercises to see if we could monitor threat and do a risk analysis and see if we could do a threat assessment. Although uh, it has application for disease surveillance, uh, I guess a, a future version of that perhaps could do disease surveillance as well. And given the fact that now we have so much of artificial intelligence, automation, performance measurement, optimization, deep learning, and so forth. And these are all available platform. One can take all of this data and integrate that into UAV-based platform or even on-ground platform to create a uh, enhanced version for understanding all of that and would give us a better uh, safety and security uh, posture. This in conjunction with convergence of social media uh, is now used for something called what's trending. Uh, so as mentioned, a combination of all of these platforms uh, provides a excellent opportunity to, uh, to, to for essentially situational awareness uh, globally. So as mentioned, this is all in prototype and development stage. And as we continue to have more partners, I'm sure we'll have a lot more capability. We'll have a lot more data fusion, uh, which will allow us to do risk assessment, management, consequence management by using convergence of technology uh, for different types of uh, aspect, essentially making decision support tools. So in this short presentation, as I mentioned, that this is such a vast topic to discuss in a short period of time. Uh, perhaps one can uh, focus on small pieces later on, but I still wanted to give a 34,000 foot overview of the issue and some of the steps we have taken uh, to mitigate that. So the take home message for this presentation is that water is an exclusive resource that we need to carefully manage, use, reuse, and recycle. Uh, we want to implement universal water quality index. Uh, we want to do more research to mitigate emerging contaminants in water, especially microplastics and pharmaceuticals. Persistent monitoring is needed for the contamination in water. We, use, we need to reduce micro nanoplastics. We need reduction in return pharmaceuticals 
we need advanced technologies to ensure water safety, alternate ways to harvest water, and hence aquifer protection. Uh, as the surface water continues to reduce, that's where we are going to be dependent on. So we need to depend on the groundwater. So we need to protect that. Water management strategy, we look into catchments, basins, watershed, etc. And obviously we need to have a more robust secured network to ensure water safety uh, and security of the critical infrastructure. So we have a large network of people as is shown in this slide, those who continue to coordinate activities with us, uh, subject matter expert to give us advice, to give us input. And this International Clean Water Institute, although there are some partners, but eventually I would like to have partners for, from more countries uh, so that something unique to that country, we could address uh, those issues using the uh, Clean Water Institute. So with that, I close my presentation and thank you for the for the attention. Wonderful. This is an excellent overview of the challenges we as a civilization are facing, you know, for our coming tomorrow. And especially, you know, the point that you made about the stress drive, stress that we are observing, yeah. even on the East Coast. Talk, I mean, there are many countries that are facing much more severe challenges, but you made an interesting point about the uh, stress points that you are witnessing on East Coast. Can you tell a little more about what are the drivers of the stress on the state of clean water supplies that we are witnessing on East Coast? The reason for the stress is that most of us are using uh, new products uh, and our water filtration systems are still centuries old. Uh, it's the same old technology of activated carbon uh, filters. Uh, so they take sodium, they take magnesium, they take most of the salts, but the new items such as microplastics, it does not take that from the reservoir. Uh, pharmaceutical, uh, most of us take some either prescription or um, you know other medication. If something is taken orally, only five percent stays in body. Ninety-five percent is returned into the toilet, and if it goes to the filtration mechanism, it does not get filtered out. So obviously, pharmaceuticals are uh, increasing. Then we have different types of cleaning agents. We never had all those cleaning agents. You know, we would use warm water, but now we use all types of degreasers, uh, acetone, triclerethylene, although industries have been using for quite some time, but it has not been used for household. Uh, pesticides, uh, you know, we don't use pesticides a lot because of the fact my pet is allergic to it. Uh, every time I never use pesticide, I know my pet gets sick. So all that pesticide uh, go, gets seeped into the water tables. So the reason why we are seeing this is because of the fact we are using more and more chemical products. We are using more pharmaceutical products, but we have not upgraded our filtration mechanism. And that's the reason we're seeing more stress. Of course, there is more population. Uh, and um, <clears throat> globally, because of this megacity project, yes. uh, I think that also uh, increases the water stress. But East Coast, uh, in addition to population, uh, most of the reason, as I stated before, is access use of uh, products for which we have not even thought before how to mitigate but the technology is advancing and we continue to use that. We are dumping our cell phones uh, that bring microplastics. Uh, 20 years ago or 50 years ago, people not, had not thought of that. Uh, so I think these new products which are being recycled into the environment, uh, we have to very quickly come up with some solution for it. Yes. Otherwise we will see more and more water stress going forward. Yes, yes. No, you're absolutely right about it. Now, there is also another point that when there is a heavy rain or there is a flooding 
or there is a bioterrorism or even some bio error, let's say, you know, not intentional, but unintentional, you know, accidental, uh, something gets discharged or if there is a uh, cybersecurity attack which uh, uh, allows the adversaries to control the chemical input into, into our water system, that could create uh, many severe water contamination problems. And that could be fatal. And like you said, we still do not have an ability to quickly filter out all that and to be able to even understand what challenges are there, what you know contaminants have in, entered into our water supply and system. So how are nations monitoring contamination and bioterror problems uh, at this point? Do we have effective systems? No. Uh, and this is something which uh, is part of the recommendation to uh, see if we have effective monitoring systems. Uh, UV platform, which I showed, although it's only one, uh, it can still give us signature from the lakes, from the reservoirs, as to what contaminants are there. So by way of that, I simply wanted to show that, look, we have that capability that we can monitor if we have thousands of them monitoring lakes and so forth. But nonetheless, we need real-time sensor platform, which will continue to give us information about these types of contaminants so that we have a global situational awareness. Once NATO gave us that project, there were five countries. And the idea at that point was that if from five cities sitting on my desk, if I can monitor those five cities, what the contaminants are, definitely I can put similar systems elsewhere in the world and have a unified command and control so that I have overall global, global situational awareness. But that system still does not exist. Although it was something like in mid uh, uh, 2000s, or 2005 or 2006, once they funded that project. But since that time, there's not been much progress. Uh, you apply for a funding, and of course, it takes time. All I'm saying is it requires concerted effort, but we still do not have an integrated platform which give us, and this is crucial, by way of publication, by way of book. I hope that this message comes across and uh, we start investing in uh, water infrastructure. Yes, absolutely. That That is the need of the time. And right. you made a good point about that. But now also, if we move past the need for having a clean access water, mm. water itself, whatever entire water system, global water system, there are many complex interdependencies. So understanding the complex interdependency of water with other life support systems, and many critical infrastructures, you know, energy industry and many other industries. So what if we evaluate all that, you know, I'm not sure, you know, if uh, your organization has got an opportunity so far to look at all those interconnectedness and interdependencies. But if you uh, did have an opportunity, what interdependencies concern you the most at this point? In fact, we have the personal resource. And I think I had mentioned that although this was an institute which I've converted to 501c3, I have a very large network of very uh, highly um, educated, trained persons, those who could help us uh, put a picture. But still, from the recommendation stage to implementation stage, uh, there has to be still another layer. And this is something which we are trying to see that if we could make this recommendation and uh, see if the implementation could be expedited uh, by whoever that may be, may it be uh, European Union, may it be uh, National Science Foundation here, or, or uh, you know, even the Ministry, Department of Interior, if they would look into that. Uh, so. The message is being propagated, um, but the, the, uh, what's missing is the implementation part. But uh, you know, uh, to the last point that you mentioned about these uh, contaminants, I wanted to highlight the point which I had very recently introduced about this microplastics mm -hmm. uh, at the surface. 
they are hydrophobic. If we leave plastic in water, it, it sort of becomes mushy and it floats at the top. And the model which we have proposed, it simply indicates that it attracts bacteria. So if you attach a viral vector to it, you can disperse it all across the river or lake or ocean. Uh, just imagine COVID-19, if that were to attach and propagate uncontrollably, that would create a major problem. So it has security aspect. And so from all of that, uh, I think the idea is to uh, show what the potentials are, what academic potentials there are, and see if we can merge all of that into recommendation and go to the implementation stage and continue to bring uh, governments uh, to to uh, help us mitigate uh, this global challenge. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you look at other telecommunication and all those other industries, there is a lot of emphasis yes. on that. There is a lot of focus on its, you know, security. But yes. when we look at the water infrastructure, water, you know, industry, that there is a very little focus. You know, there is absolutely uh, it is more like you know it is being ignored there are there is not enough investment there are, there are not enough uh, trained resources that can you know uh, take care of the complex challenges that these industries facing so uh, this is in the, an industry where we need more investment i agree with you on that and there needs to be more focus on governments and uh, all the organizations that are stakeholders i hope that they all can come together and uh, do what is necessary and use the emerging technologies you gave some excellent uh, analysis of where we can use nanotechnology where we can use ai and machine learning and deep learning and all these data analytics and how we can use sensor technology and all that to come up with effective systems so i hope that we are able to use apply all this and we are able to come up with effective systems, effective monitoring system, effective alert system, so that you know our communities are protected and our others are protected. That. What would you like to tell our viewers and listeners about your upcoming book? You did mention about your book, but how can they purchase that book? You know, where can they go to uh, read that book? And uh, what are your recommendations? Especially, you know, uh, if you are, you mentioned that you are looking for more partnership from more countries. Uh, what would you like to tell all the countries, uh, especially, you know, how can they reach out to you and your organization, International Clean Water Institute, to establish partnerships so we can prepare our countries and our communities for the coming tomorrow? Well, um, in terms of book, the most recent book is available at, or it's going to be available next month at uh, springer.com. Uh, but nonetheless, if uh, people would like a chapter or so, I'll be glad to send chapter once they tell me that it's in final form. Uh, it's it's almost in final production, so it should be out uh, fairly shortly. Uh, in terms of partnership, uh, I, I can provide my email, which you can put on to your website, and they can reach out uh, for creating a partnership. But you're absolutely right that to take it from this stage to the implementation stage, I think it takes a, a, a critical mass to reach to that point. And um, although this is such an important topic, we realize it globally, uh, but I still do not think, although SDG 5, sorry, 6, it clearly states that by 2025, water will become a fundamental human right, but it requires more than that. It requires action. SDG, Sustainable Development Goal, these are not, these are simply uh, regulations without uh, implementation authority. So we need a little bit more than that uh, from individual country standpoint. Uh, I, I think our Institute can perhaps uh, help uh, make this recommendation and reach out to the contact point within countries and see, uh, or even if not individual countries, let's say from EU, from Asia, from North America, if a relevant uh, organization 
were to uh, look into that and say, okay, yes, we are going to put resources together. I think that would be a starting point. If it were individual countries, uh, that would be nice. But even if it's not individual countries, even if it's regionally, I think that would be uh, reasonable. We are in the process of reaching out to EU to see if they would help us. Uh, also, uh, I, I guess we will try to make some recommendation to NSF and see if they would take those recommendations. Uh, so it, it has to go a little further. Like I said, uh, making simply recommendation uh, is perhaps is not sufficient. Uh, but nonetheless, there is a losing battle in terms of time. Just like most other necessities, I think there is a losing battle. As the time continues to progress, there is more water stress, there is more water scarcity, and uh, time for action is now. Yes. And that, was, that was the basis of the Institute. Yes, absolutely. No, you are right about that. So thank you so much, Professor Vashishta, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight into the water safety, security, and sustainability. And I'm sure our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from what you had to say today. And as a result, this Risk Roundup dialogue has been of service. We thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. So Risk Group is a strategic security risk research platform and community through the Risk Roundup initiative, Risk Group and I are on a mission to talk with a billion people, billion decision makers, innovators, scientists, entrepreneurs, futurists, technologists, policymakers to decision makers. The reason behind this effort is to research, review, rate, and report strategic security risk facing humanity. Thank you for being part of the conversation. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.